today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Now, if I'm to love my enemies, how much more should I love my brothers and sisters in Christ? If I know my enemy is trying to kill me, to destroy me, to take me out, and I'm called to love him and to do acts of compassion toward him, then how much greater is our response and our requirement to care for and to love one another? We're called to have a sincere fervent, a pure love for the brethren, a love without hypocrisy, intense in its actions, and pure from any corruptions or ulterior motives. The Bible says that believers are to love one another as God first loved us. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that we are commanded to love each other. This means that demonstrating God's love to others, even those with persnickety personalities, is never an option. In fact, sometimes we must lead our hearts and decide to love even when we don't feel like it. The good news is that as we demonstrate God's love to each other and even our enemies, the world will recognize the power and grace of the Lord Jesus. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, The Love of Grace, from 1 Peter chapter 1. Early on, as Jesus was calling his disciples to himself, he came to the guys while they were busy about making a living. They were busy about doing the the work that would feed their families, take care of the needs that they have. And Jesus came up to them and said, Come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. The men looked up at Jesus and said, I get off at five. I can follow you then. I'm available this weekend or perhaps for a couple of hours on Sunday morning. Would that work? What does the word say? No, they literally dropped their nets and they left them and followed Jesus. Are we called to anything less ourselves? Maybe he's not calling for you to quit your job and follow him in a full-time way, but maybe he is. Some have left life and gone out and lived their life in mission for the Lord. Again, Lord, where, where you lead, I'll go. A little bit later in the ministry of Jesus, Peter speaks to the Lord and says, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And I believe that that was true. They've left everything. But Jesus reminded them, yeah, but you know what? When you do, you're going to gain so much more, so much more. True, incredible Christians are willing to move out of their comfort zone. They're willing to take up that cross and follow Christ. Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, he says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? 
Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? But, you know, those were words for that culture at that time 2,000 years ago. They didn't have the same kind of stresses and trials and things. Jesus didn't know what we were going to be facing today in 2013. Wrong answer. I believe that the Word of God is as powerful and as mighty and convicting today as it was when Jesus spoke those words in a fleshly way to those men who were following him. All of this, not in order to gain salvation, King. Please understand that it's not to gain salvation, but it's because we have a true and because we have a credible Christianity. We're born again from above. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. There needs to be a new focus, a new drive, a new passion within our lives. And the unfortunate reality is the church of Jesus Christ today is not a powerful organization within our community because there's not a powerful passion within the hearts and lives of believers today. Well, Maybe there is a powerful passion, but it's misdirected. It's not passionate for the things of the Lord. Part of the test of every believer is this aspect of what Peter says here, walking in obedience. He says, since you purified your souls in obeying the truth. And then Peter draws together this idea of having purified our soul through obedience, obeying the truth through the Spirit. He ties it together with this call to love the brethren. And this is what I see is that love of grace. That since we are recipients of grace, there needs to be from our life this heart, this attitude, this, 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 this growing love within our lives. A part of our obedience to the truth is the call to believers to have, as Peter writes here, a sincere love of the brethren. Now, if you have a King James Version, it may say an unfeigned love for the brethren. Uh, you may have other versions, but in essence what Peter is writing here, the actual Greek word that he uses, means without hypocrisy. It means it's real. That it's not just, hey, brother, how you doing? God, that guy's a jerk. And then you move on down the line. It's not the thing that we come up and, and I love our church. We, 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 we appear to be a very loving church. I, I, I believe that we are. But I also know I'm not so naive as to know that we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And how easy it is is for a moment to express a love. Beloved, it's a lot harder to walk in love. Not just express a love, but walk in love. He says that the, you, you love in a sincere love for the brethren. And then he says you love one another fervently. Fervently. And again, that word has the idea of uh, uh, intenseness and intentionality. In other words, it's without ceasing, and I'm looking for a way to demonstrate and to show my love for you because I care about you that much. That means that I'm willing to go out of my comfort zone to demonstrate that love for you. That means that when it's inconvenient, my love for you is still primary. When I'm stretched in this area, that I can still demonstrate that love for you. He says, love one another fervently and love one another with a pure heart. 
have a pure love for fellow believers. Again, that idea is that it's without corruption, it's clean, and it's pure. It's interesting, that word pure that Peter writes, it's the same word that John uses in Revelation chapter 21 when he speaks of that, that sea that was clear. Clear. In other words, you could see right through it. Is that the kind of love that we have for one another? Is that the kind of love that we're desiring to grow in for one another? Without corruption, clean and pure. Not, well, I'm, I'm going to love you because I know uh, maybe that's the reciprocation of that means that I might get an extra blessing or, uh, you know, uh, you, you've got some resources that maybe if I love you a lot, then I can also receive something from that. No, beloved, we are called to love, as the word says, even the unlovely. That means you've got to love me, okay? That also means that we have to love those who... There is no reciprocation. I believe it was Jesus that said, love your enemies. Now, if I'm to love my enemies, how much more should I love my brothers and sisters in Christ? If I know my enemy is trying to kill me, to destroy me, to take me out, and I'm called to love him and to do acts of compassion toward him, then how much greater is our response and our requirement to care for and to love one another. We're called to have a sincere, a fervent, a pure love for the brethren, a love without hypocrisy, intense in its actions, and pure from any corruptions or ulterior motives. Peter continues writing here, and he makes the reasons for this love very clear. First of all, he says, it's because of that grace that's been given to us. Through grace, we've been, as he says in verse 23, he says that we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because grace has been demonstrated in my life through the Lord Jesus Christ, how much more ought I to love? If God took me with all the luggage and all the, the, the cracks and the chips and the, the, the filth that was there and the disappointments that were there, because I've received his love, then I need to be a vehicle of that love, a conduit of that love to others. But not only that, he says our lives are very short. We're, we're here for a moment and then we're gone. He says in verse 24, he says that because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as a flower of the grass, the grass withers and it flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Peter speaks about the temporary status of our own lives, and yet he builds on the enduring word of God. He says it will last forever. That's the gospel that was preached to you. And when he ties in the word of the Lord enduring forever, and the fact that this word was the gospel, he brings out the fact that although we're only here for a short season, the gospel itself is eternal. And because the gospel is eternal, what you and I do during this short season has eternal significance. 
eternal significance in our own lives. Beloved, I believe also eternal significance in other lives. Because as we love one another, we encourage one another, we strengthen one another. And yes, I understand too that sometimes in our love for one another, we have to speak the truth, but we speak it in love. So if we see a brother or a sister who's stumbling, we don't go to them as a, as a one-upmanship or that, hey, I'm better than you, or hey, I got my act together, why don't you have your act together? But we go to them in the greatness and the depth of love that says, brother, I'm concerned about what's going on in your life. I'm concerned about what's going on in your family's life. I'm concerned about how you're living your life. But we speak to it and we deal with it in love. That's what God has called for us. We have to live our lives because of the shortness of our life. We have to live our lives for His glory. We have to live our lives as a testimony of His greatness. We have to live our lives different than the world that's all around us. And you know what the Word tells us? It's only when they see the light of Christ shining through us through the good deeds and through the work that we do, then even those that are on the outside look at us and they'll be able to give God the glory. Because they see, man, I, I, I see her. Man, she is just amazing in how she acts and responds with people. I see him and, man, what a gracious guy he is. What a great love they have. That's why, as Tertullian wrote to the Romans, he said, man, What's, what's bringing this out is the greatness of our love for one another. We're different than that Roman world. You know that it was the Christians that actually, during a plague in Rome, it was the Christians that would go and pick up people in the streets because the Romans, if someone within their family got sick of that plague, they would put them out in the street, your own family. Because I don't want to get their sickness. And it was the Christians who then risked their own health and their own life, picking up people that weren't even a part of their family and nursing them back to health. It was the Christians that started burying many of the poor. You see, they would take, and if someone was poor, couldn't afford any kind of a burial, they'd just throw them on the rubbish heap and let their bodies rot and burn. But the Christians were the ones that went out. You see, it was the love of Christ flowing through them for the body of believers, but also for the world that was around them. One man declared, conversion must entail a transformation of our interpersonal relationships and our interaction with the world. It needs to make a difference. Justin Martyr, another early church father, he wrote about the impact of love within the Christian community. Martyr wrote about Christian love this way. He says, we who used to value the acquisition of wealth and possessions more than anything else now bring what we have into a common fund and share it with anyone who needs it. We used to hate and destroy one another and refuse to associate with people of another race or country. Now, because of Christ... We live together with such people, and we pray even for our enemies. Another early church leader, theologian, and a writer, Clement of Alexandria, again writing about the love and the attitudes and lifestyle of believers, Clement describes a person who has credible Christianity. 
He says, he impoverishes himself out of love so that he's certain that he may never overlook a brother in need, especially if he knows he can bear poverty better than his brother. He likewise considers the pain of another as his own pain. And if he suffers any hardship because of having given out of his own poverty, he does not complain. Our love for one another needs to be demonstrated in true, viable, consistent ways. Remember again, the night that Jesus was betrayed, while they were there in the upper room, as Jesus was sharing with his disciples, Judas had already left, but Jesus spoke these things to the disciples in John 13. He says, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him immediately. And he says, little children... I shall be with you a little while longer. You'll seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But what kind of a standard do we put on knowing that someone is a believer today? Well, they're in church nearly every Sunday. They must be a believer. Why, she teaches Sunday school. She must be a believer. Why, he's, he's, he's part of our mission outreach and works with our youth. He must be a believer. Oh, they give really big to all the needs within the church. Truly, they are a believer. It's interesting that on the very night that Jesus was betrayed, now I understand that all the words of Jesus were important, okay? And uh, in fact, all the words in this book are important. We don't want to have just a, just, I, I just do the red letters. I've seen people, I, whatever. But anyway, all the words of Jesus are important, but I can't help but think that on the night that is just hours before his crucifixion, the last hours that he's going to have in that physical way with his disciples, that Jesus poured into them some primary points. And it's interesting. One of those primary points was, guys, the world's going to know you're following me if you love each other. And that love needs to be more than just a word. It needs to be word and deed. More than just an action, it also has to be in the attitude. You see, we can do acts of love, but if our attitude isn't there, is it, is it really love? You know, how many of us would like to have a mom that, Oh, yeah, she feeds us, she washes our clothes, she takes care of us, she tucks us into bed. But it's all actions. It's not an attitude. We want somebody who cares for us with an attitude of caring, that they look for opportunities. A little bit later, still that same night, Jesus again reiterates this. In John 15, he says, This is my commandment. That you love one another as I've loved you. So now it's a commandment. It's not just a 
suggestion that Jesus gives. It's a commandment. Paul tells us in Romans 13, he says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. John, the, the apostle John in his later writings in the epistles, he writes in 1 John 3, he says, This is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And remember, John was in that upper room. Man, at the very beginning, I, I, I know that's what Jesus said. So from the very beginning, that's been the message that we've been interweaving in all of our teachings to the church. He writes later in that same epistle in First John chapter 4. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, though, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Then if you really want to get really to the point of it all, we look in the writings still in 1 John, just kind of back up a little bit. He tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, he says, Brethren, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. This is an old commandment, which we had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment. I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and true light is already shining. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That's the word that is given to us. It's a command of the Lord. And I can't help but be brought to the word of Jesus back in the Gospels uh, as they proclaimed. Jesus asking the question. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do the things which I say. It's a command of the Lord. It's the love of grace that brought us out of death and sin. But it's grace's love that ought to compel us to love one another, even with all of our quirks and peculiarities. We could look around the room, and if we wanted to, we could probably say, well, I can love a lot of people, but I know a lot of things about him that uh, I know that's not going to work. We can look around the room and say, you know, I, I can love most everybody in here, but I heard a story about her, and I'm not real sure that I need to love that one. Suddenly, we start putting in criteria that the Lord Jesus never put in. He says, love one another, for love is of God. Those who love are born of God. Brethren and sisters, the command of the Lord Jesus Christ is to love one another. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Though we've come to the end of our time with you today on The Open Word, 
You don't have to wait to hear more from Pastor David Landry. In fact, Pastor David's here to tell you more. Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast as well. As soon as we post a new message from The Open Word, you'll receive a notification. This way, you'll never miss an update. While you're on our website, you can learn more about what we believe as a ministry, as well as find out ways to support us. One way is through prayer, something we're always grateful for. We need to make sure we're focusing first on Jesus, then on what we're creating. We want every edition of The Open Word to come from the Savior, not from us. Your prayers for us help us do this. Would you also pray for the listeners of The Open Word? Pray that hearts and ears would be open to Jesus and that the gospel will continue to spread throughout the earth. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word.